You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I first want to express my gratitude to all of you and to this, uh, this whole church. It's a very special church to me. As a recently ordained priest, uh, many years ago, I f- first heard the gospel articulated in all its fullness from this pulpit on cassette tapes. <laughs> um, and it has profoundly shaped uh, not just my ministry, but my life. Um, over the past, you know, 20 plus years. So that's all to say gratitude drives these sermons. And I'm just repeating what I first heard here. And since I have the privilege of preaching three times, I've decided I'm going to focus on just a single episode from the Gospel of John, the wedding feast at Cana. Um, So we'll have a time to just sort of walk through it slowly. The story is usually associated, of course, with weddings, and we heard it during the season of Epiphany, but it has some Lenten themes in it, which I'll note uh, as I go along. Uh, There are several clear links to the passion. And today, I want to consider what the episode might say to us about our freedom in Christ, our freedom in Christ. As a prelude to that, One of my all-time favorite movies is Parenthood with uh, Steve Martin and Mary Schoenberger. This movie ought to be required uh, viewing for anyone considering parenthood. Uh, It really captures some of the the challenges that parents face. And there's a scene toward the end of the movie where the husband and the wife, uh, who are Gil and Karen Buckman, they're talking in their bedroom. They're getting dressed to go to a party, which is the best time to have an argument, you know. And they're overwhelmed with their responsibilities. They've got a child who's lost a retainer. They've got another child that needs to get to the doctor. Um, Gil has just quit his job but is now having second thoughts. And Karen is thinking about going back to work. On and on, they have right on the verge of an argument. And on top of all that, uh, Gil realizes that he's going to be gone the next weekend and he will have to miss his son's baseball game. And his wife says, do you have to? And he looks at her despondently and he says, my whole life is have to. My whole life is have to. And that uh, line, which is delivered by Steve Martin, has stuck with me for, I guess it's been about 30 years, that movie, since it was made. Um, I can really identify with that despair of feeling cornered by obligations. Life can just feel like it's nothing but an endless series of problems to be solved, obligations to fulfill, expectations that we're supposed to meet, and the burden of it can just crush your soul. Whether you're a mom or a dad or a college student or a teenager, a caregiver, retired, it doesn't matter, almost any stage of life, you might find yourself saying, my whole life is have to. The New Testament word would be enslaved. 
There was a story in the Wall Street Journal a few weeks back about how many pastors are leaving the ministry right now. In January of 2021, 38% of pastors were seriously considering leaving full-time ministry. And among those under age 45, nearly half were considering getting out. And that same dynamic is being played out all over in many professions, but of course it caught my eye because I'm a pastor. Um, and something, what, part of what is behind that is this sense of my whole life is have to. Um, I ask myself, self, why do you feel so burdened? In part, I feel burdened because I feel like the pandemic is my fault. I don't really know why I feel that way, but um, it probably has something to do with for the past two years, people have looked at, at me, you know, in my congregation, and they've said, you know, what do we do? And for some reason, I feel this enormous obligation to fix things. I don't know if you feel that way. It's a personality thing, I guess. But I feel like I'm supposed to be fixing things. Uh, we had you know, months of mask restrictions, and some people in the church wanted it, others didn't want it. Um, lots of tension around that. Uh, the day before Valentine's Day, uh, my, wife was walk my wife was walking into church, and she said to me, because I love you, I'm going to hang this mask off of my left ear, <laughs> but only because I love you just problems at every turn. And I sit at my desk, um, close the door, and I feel this obligation to fix things. You know, kind of just give me a few more days and I'll fix COVID. Um, I don't know if you struggle with that obligation, but it's something that, that I feel. And then along comes the church to tell us one more thing that we have to do, which we call Lent. <laughs> Lent can feel like just one more obligation along with finding the lost retainer or getting your child to the doctor, working more hours or fixing COVID, whatever it is, it can just feel like one more thing I have to do. I'm very thankful that the prayer book does not prescribe any specific disciplines for Lent. Uh, it does invite us to pray, to meditate on the scriptures, to fast, and to repent in this season, but room is left for the movement of the Holy Spirit to direct the individual conscience. We started a caregiver coffee uh, at my church recently, uh, which is a support gathering for anyone who finds themselves in the role of caregiver. We have several women who are married to men with Alzheimer's. We have someone who is caring for a wife with uh, cancer. We have several who are caring for children with special needs. Um, so these are people who know something about my whole life is have to. And uh, at our second meeting last week, I looked, um, I, I, I served glazed donuts. <laughs> and I had this moment where I thought, well, maybe, you know, there'll be some objection to this because it's Lent. But as I looked around the table, it was very clear to me that the only thing standing between a few of these folks and absolutely losing their minds was several glazed donuts. I thought of a bruised reed. 
he will not break. My point is not so much about Lent as it is about just life in general. Some of us are just hanging by a thread. You can feel just almost crushed by my whole life is have to. And I want an alternative just for myself. Is there not another way to live? And I think, what does it say about my own life? I mean, being a Christian, if I feel like my whole life is have to, something's wrong, something's way off. There is another way to live. In the New Testament, the Christian life is characterized by freedom. A life of freedom as opposed to a life of slavery. Let me step to the wedding feast at Cana just for a minute. And you know the story, but let's think, what does the story tell us about our freedom in Christ? John writes, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And he said to her, woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. So the story begins with this weight of obligation. That's what caught my eye. The wine ran out. Jesus and his disciples attend this wedding feast, and you can picture it. Everything's going fine. Everyone's dancing to Uptown Funk, and they're lining up for the electric slide, and the wine ran out. This would have been more than a slight embarrassment to the host and to the couple. In that culture, wedding celebrations went on for a week. They had lots of wine. There was a very strong element of reciprocity in weddings. This has to do with the obligations of uh, hospitality in that culture. It was even possible to take legal action um, against someone who failed to provide an appropriate wedding gift. So there's more than just social embarrassment involved. The bridegroom and his family may have faced a real financial burden. They would have felt they had to provide wine not unlike some of the things that you feel like you just have to do. Mary tells Jesus they have no wine. She seems to have felt some of the burden of this have to herself. And they have this rather odd exchange. I'm not sure that I understand, but um, Jesus ends up saying, woman, what concern of that to you, what, is, what concern is that to you and me? My hour has not yet come, so I do know that he's looking ahead to the passion. But as a result of what he says, a shift occurs in Mary. And this is what I think is noteworthy to any of us who feel the weight of obligation. Mary says to the servant, servants, do whatever he tells you. She makes the shift from feeling burdened about how this problem is going to get solved to do whatever he tells you. And that's what I want for me. It'd be great if y'all had it too, but I really would like it for me. 
for some reason, she's able to shift into the ball is in God's court. She lets go of something. She seems content to allow the problem to be God's problem. She and the servants are in a posture of awaiting further instructions. This is a real short sermon, so I'll just cut to the chase and I'll say, I have decided that Mary's words are my mantra for Lent. Do whatever he tells you. I'm just speaking for me. I'm waiting for further instructions from Jesus. If God wants me to give up donuts or whatever it is, he'll make it clear to me. Because I believe in the power and the activity of the Holy Spirit to direct believers. The shift that occurs in Mary demonstrates two ways of living that the New Testament describes as life under the law or obligation or life led by the Spirit, which I'm symbolizing in do whatever he tells you. The Apostle Paul used those terms in Galatians to describe two ways of life. The Christian life is characterized by freedom, not slavery. And this is maybe best summed up by Jesus himself when he said, if the Son makes you free, you'll be free indeed. And St. Paul's statement, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Most people today have concluded that Christianity, if they think about Christianity at all, that it is just one more obligation, one more thing they have to do. But if you read the New Testament, Christianity is described in entirely different terms. The Christian is the freest person around. If we're talking about freedom with non-Christians, we have the home field advantage. That's our turf. We are free because we don't have to earn our salvation. We've been freed from a life under the law. The judgment of the law has been removed. Nothing we can do will add anything to what Christ did on the cross or, cross or take anything away. And no discipline on your part in any area of your life, more or less, will make you any more or less forgiven by God. That is true freedom. Of course, there's much more to this story of the wedding feast in Cana. John goes on and says, now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification. And tomorrow I will say a few words about those stone jars. Let us pray. Almighty God, in those places where we find ourselves overwhelmed by obligations and even despairing by the have-tos of life, send your spirit to comfort and to help us to walk in freedom. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.